every time you get a chance to witness this scene, you feel lucky. Nothing like it. Man, this is what it's all about. This is what college football is all about. I've, I've said this is the best scene in the country. Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on a glorious Big Ten opening victory week. Could not be any sweeter. Thanks to a phenomenal defensive effort, the Nittany Lions pulled out a 16-10 win over the then number 12 Badgers. If you watched the game, it was a uh, defensive slugfest. Tough to watch at times, but it ended in in an electric finish. And uh, we also... I also love seeing uh, jump around and like the full Camp Randall Stadium back again. But Dave, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on all the crazy plays down the end of the stretch. Just give me all your thoughts. That was electric, baby. Nothing like those Gus Johnson calls, especially when he's you know calling out Penn State. Uh, you know, I think I like you said we were talking before, and I was on the edge of my seat, especially with that brisker pick. Uh, Took longer than I expected to get going, but, you know, when it got going, it was, it was fun to watch. Watching, I think Dotson could have had 300 yards, you know, on Saturday. But, you know, we'll take we'll take the 102 or the 100-plus yards. Um, and excited, man. Excited for this week. Big momentum. Big momentum switch heading into this year. Yeah, that was actually the first scoreless Big Ten game at half since November 8th, 2013, Michigan at Northwestern. Really? Feels like so, you get that every week in the Big Ten. Been a long, yeah. It <laughs> feels like you do, but first time in a long time. Like all the memes across Twitter was this is Big Ten football zero zero. Um, I think the big thing that I noticed right away was it was I think it was our opening drive when we came out. It was it might have been a screen pass. It might have been it might have been a draw, um, but it was that immediate up tempo offense. And I think someone got a false start, and they just kind of crumbled from there throughout the first half. Yeah, I Walker. Was. Yeah, on that first yeah I think it was. I think it was him. Um, so that kind of killed the momentum in the first half. We never – Clifford never really got in a rhythm with completions, which is key in that air raid offense is getting consistent completions, moving the chains, getting the tempo going, and then setting up that bomb. But the good thing with Clifford, no fumbles, no mm-hmm. interceptions. He had some close close calls. Um, but on the bad side, he had some really easy, easy missed throws on like just easy out routes that he should, he should be hitting as a college D one quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think it was obvious, you know, to see that he's still struggling kind of like he was last year. I I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than I typically would, you know, new brand new offense in that type of environment playing with a lot of guys on that roster that haven't played Big Ten football, especially in that type of hostile environment. You know, got a lot of guys who played last year with no fans. So to be able to take that brand-new offense, you know, into Madison, into Camp Randall, and squeak out a win that this team doesn't usually get, especially over the last three or four years, you know, I think that's something to be said. Granted, you know, heading into this week, you're going to have to see a lot more 
Um, and can't be peeking ahead to that whiteout game against Auburn. So it's got a lot of, you know, a lot of work still to do, but I'm going to give him a lot of credit, you know, for his composure, especially in that second half with some key plays, um, you know, with some timely throws, you know, missed a lot. Like you said, missed a lot of those short, easy ones, missed his deep balls. Um, mm-hmm. But the key thing, no, no, no turnovers. So yeah, you know, that, that was, was, that was huge. That's big, big. He had some close calls with some questionable throws, but other than that, he was 18 of 33, so give him around 55% mm-hmm. completion percentage. Um, and his he started completing balls once we started going to the outside and not attacking the middle where their linebacker, I forget his name, Zach Sanborn. Yeah, yeah, he was all over the place. havoc all yeah. over the field. Like, that guy was literally my nightmare that afternoon. <laughs> he was everywhere. It was like every play was Sanborn, Sanborn, Sanborn. So once we kind of like – went away from throwing over the middle where he always was kind of did those little easy eye routes, those swing passes, those screens. It kind of opened everything else up besides the running game. Yeah. I think those bubble screens got him into a little bit better of a groove. Um, Like you said, over the middle tight ends didn't have any catches yesterday or on Saturday rather. Um, So they were pretty absent. Surprise. The the absence of the running game, you know, they, they were, they put all their eggs in that passing game basket, you know, to, to really see what he was made of. Um, you know, 33 attempts, uh, granted Wisconsin's offense was on the field the whole game. So the way that game was going, Clifford probably would have had about 50, 55 attempts, you know, if they had yeah. the ball a bit more. Yeah. Just to go over the stats, our, uh, leading rusher was Noah Kane with 48 yards, eight attempts. Um, as a team, we had 18 rushes for 50 yards. So not yeah, too great. Yeah. Kane was the only one with positive yards. Lee, I think he had negative four yards and Devin Ford, one carry, one yard. So not not a lot to show for in that first game. So another thing we talked about last week was we were both pissing our pants about their all-senior offensive line against our sort of inexperience, not really hasn't played together group of defensive line. And we were, I was personally shocked. I was surprised at how well <laughs> all the defensive linemen played, from Luketa to AK to – Lucifer, who quietly had a dominant game on the inside, not oh, only yeah. pass seven, tackles, shot, seven on. tackles, I think. What'd you say? I think Mustafa had seven tackles. That was a big game for him. Yeah. He, he had, according to Pro Football Focus, he had 10 solos, no missed tackles, okay. and six yeah. stops, which are plays that result in a negative uh, result for the uh, offense. Yeah. So, he, he bulked up the 325 this offseason. That really showed, you know, to be the yeah. difference. They thought so it would had, be. In, Nothing yeah. on the pass rush front, but I feel like he was really creating those one-on-one opportunities for AK, Tarburton, and uh, Lucetta. Yeah, Wisconsin's O line they were they were throwing a lot of combo blocks in there to kind of shut down him. Tangelo, uh, Devon Ellis was in there for a little bit, but you know I think really saw Ebiquette. Didn't think him think he would burst onto the scene that quickly. He was dude, uh, and then flying. Like, and then, like you said, Luketa, you know, in his new role at, at that DN spot, um, Tarberton, you know, found himself in some timely, timely spots with that fumble recovery. Yep. Uh, but they showed a lot, you know, uh, that bend but don't break mindset, you know, held the whole game, and that that was huge. Mm-hmm. And the uh, like we said last episode, the secondary was the strength of our defense, and it definitely showed towards the end of the game, especially that they were the leaders and the. Uh, the best unit, I think, on the field for sure uh, that game. 
Yeah, so they're starting being, to build their case. You know, starting to build their case for best best unit in the country. I think. I think they're well on their way. They're, oh, for sure. I mean, I was gonna, I was going to say it too early, but I was like, Brisker <laughs> could be in the mix for some uh, some high awards towards the end of the season. Absolutely, for defensive backs. So from there, those positives. Let's move on to a segment we're going to call "One Name All Game," basically the MVP of the game. Dave, if you want to kind of expand on the "One Name All Game." title yeah for me i think i'm gonna go with dotson uh you know five catches 102 yards you know i think he had two two or three catches for, for 40 plus uh he was finding finding ways to get separation all game and like we said before you know i think clifford probably could have hit him three or four more times yes, on a couple yeah, of those. he was getting separation on so many downfield throws yeah i think even a couple of those that he did connect on uh you know if he let him a bit more he could have took it to the house but you know dots and showing you know it was cool on national tv to see you know gus johnson joel clatt you know kind of recognizing you know him but I, he's he's bursting on the scene if he hasn't already for that national attention he's he's big time yeah um i'm gonna have to go with my one name all game is kind of a chalk pick but i had him as my impact player going into the season last episode so i'm gonna go with jaquan brisker um his stats he was playing through i think it was a calf injury maybe some cramps which we know can be debilitating to even a superhuman athlete like lebron james so yeah playing through some stuff but he was the highest graded um according to pff he had an 88.7 coverage grade with rank which was ranked ninth in the nation in the entire country in 60 total snaps he had five solo tackles, one assist, two stops, which again, negative uh, play for the offense. He was targeted two times. One of them ended up in a pass breakup. The other ended up in an interception. Mm-hmm. He also had zero penalties, which is, I think, huge. Yeah. Um, so he is definitely my one name, all game honor of the week. Yeah, he was big time. Moving off from that, we're going to go complete opposite, not opposite, not the, we're not calling it LVP. We're going to call it the needs to be most improved segment. So either units, players that didn't quite perform last week, but needs to show some improvement heading into next week. Dave, who do you got? I'm going to give you a couple here. I think Clifford for sure, you know, like a, Previously gave him that high praise, you know, which I think he right, rightfully deserves. Um, but he's going to have to show, you know, four strong quarters next week, especially with this new offense. You know, it's not just him, it's Yurchich and, you know, putting them in good spots right out the gate. Uh, but I think Clifford needs to show four, really four strong quarters of, again, mistake-free football, you know, to continue to build that momentum, you know, heading into that daunting task, um, you know, in that whiteout game against Auburn. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think special teams is another one. I, th- I saw Jordan Stout. Uh, special teams player of the week, mainly for his punting. Um, seven punts. I think he averaged about 54 yards a punt. You know, he's got a boot. Uh, but, Good you know, that, that timely missed field goal, I think it was a 28 or 30 yarder, you know, uh, which which felt like that was going to come back and bite us in the ass. Like and the missed extra point. And the missed extra point, yeah. So, you know, with that, that it, again, it felt like that Indiana game all over again. Uh, but luckily they pulled it through. But, you know, I think for Stout, um, you know, it, it was interesting to see that Pinnegar wasn't out there, uh, from what yeah. it sounded like, it sounded like Franklin said that they've been charting all kicker statistics and, you know, they went with 
with that choice based on those numbers. Uh, but if South's going to be the guy, he you know he's got to he's got to make those kicks. Okay. Hmm. So for me, I'm going to go with um, what we've kind of mentioned with Clifford just needing to be able to complete passes for this offense to kind of tick and go is our O line. Um, in the first half, I thought we got completely pushed around. In total, we had 14, they let up 14 QB pressures, 10 QB hurries, two QB hits, and two sacks, which were by Caden Wallace and Rashid, uh, Rashid Walker, given up by them. They did progress as the game went on, which I was very pleased to see. But for this air raid offense to work, they need to give him protection in order to get those completions and get that tempo moving. Yeah, I think Wigan, Anthony Wigan got the start at left guard and he looked, you know, like he was a brand new starter. He got he got blown up a few times. Um, yeah, especially in the got, first quarter. Yeah, I think I think they got Eric Wilson in there towards the end of the game or in the second half, transferred from Harvard. So I'd 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 look for him to get a, a few more reps this week, you know, to kind of see if he is the guy. But you know, Wigan for sure looked a little shell shocked out there. Yeah. And Scruggs did a little bit too. He had yeah, he had uh, his struggles on the right side. So moving on from there, let's go to our turning point of the game. Uh, I'll go first with mine, just because okay. it's a little long-winded, if you will. Um, but mine was the first, the first possession we had in the second half. When it went, first play was a swing pass to Washington for a couple yards. Next play, bubble screen to Washington. Next play was a 10-yard out to or 12-yard out to Lambert Smith. Next play was that Dotson bomb. Yeah. That's what this offense is potentially capable of, given the play calling, the protection, everything we've been talking about. So for me, that was when it really clicked in my head that, like, holy shit, this is what Penn State's potentially capable of. And at that point, it was 0-0 zero, zero, zero in the game. Boom. Five plays, four or five plays later, seven up in Penn State. So that's when I kept on my mind that the yeah the Yurchik philosophy just needs a little bit of time to get everyone molded together. Clifford especially getting his complete mm-hmm. percentage up, but um, it's drives like that where he, he just has to get those easy completions, he has to get yeah. those easy completions, get those yards, positive yardage, up the tempo, take your deep shots. Yeah, I think Clifford's one of those guys that to get it in the rhythm, you got to give him, you know, easy plays, easy, easy completions, and then you can start to get a little more complex, you know, and he'll, he'll feel comfortable letting it fly. How about you? What was your uh, turning point of the game? So I think the obvious one and the one that I probably watched the replay of 25 times from now or by now is the brisker pick. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of those plays, again, you know, was feeling – you know, like the season opener last year all over again, you know, for him to, you know, kind of be in that QB spiral in that play, step in front of Ferguson and get that pick and see him running down the sideline. That was huge. Such a heady um, play. Such a heady play. I think my runner up too could be that uh, Ebiquette blocked field goal, you know, when it looked like Wisconsin was going to get on the board first. Yeah. And then again, that started to show that this defense had that bend but don't break mentality, you know, where, you know, they were driving down the field and, um, to get that stop there, that was huge. That reminded me of that, you know, Marcus Allen block against Ohio State, although not as big of a game. I guess it was a big game, but not, you know, in that sense. Um, but it kind of showed, you know, some similar attributes where, you know, this defense is for real. 
Yeah, thank God both teams had their special teams flaws. Otherwise, that could have been a totally different game. What did you think about those two kick-catch interference penalties? From what I was seeing, it looked like he timed that perfectly. I think it was A.J. Litton when they called the two. I know. He, he sloughed it up the returner as soon as he caught it. I, it's always so – like, real time, it always looks like he gets there right away. But then yeah. when you put it into point two five times motion, you know what I mean? You can make anything look like he got there early. Yeah, yeah, those were some tough plays. So, yeah, uh, those kind of bother me. And the, then, targeting, yeah. the targeting call, you know, targeting on Brooks. Um, and that's going to be big for this week, too. You know, Brooks is out the first half, uh, so you could see Luketa have to kind of morph back into the linebacker role. So, it's, again, going to test the depth. Um, but, yeah, some tough calls there. But, overall, mistake-free football, which is great. Yeah, so he'll be out the first half of next week, which we got a Mac week on our hands at Beaver Stadium. 3.30 kickoff, which as a student was the greatest time for a kickoff, I think, on, besides the night games. 3.30 was the best. And as of today, as of today, for only 4,000 tickets left unsold. So it should be a packed house. Wow, that's going to be sick. But that was the best because you could tailgate a little, you could sleep in yeah. a little, get on, go out on Friday night. That yeah, 3.30, yeah. That's all you could ask for. So a little uh, – behind enemy lines about ball state they're currently one to know they beat western illinois which you'll never guess their uh their team nickname western illinois were they the mud dogs i mean so they're <laughs> well <laughs> not even close they're called the leathernecks oh but their uh, logo is like a, it's like a bulldog so <laughs> Very strange. The Western Illinois love the next. They won uh, 31-21, but were actually tied 7-7 at half. Mm. So this line opened at Penn State minus 20. It's now sitting at minus 22, minus 22 and a half, which is a huge spread for Penn State. I never like taking them over yeah. 17, like 17 at the most, I would yeah, say. They don't, they don't fare well with big lines at all. The over-under right now, uh, as of recording this on Tuesday, uh, is 57, uh, 57 and a half, depending on what you're looking. So this is, I mean, this is super tough. Yeah. Um, I might look at a first half bet for Penn State, to be honest. Yeah. That, been... that might be my move. Like a first half line? Yeah, just take them to cross in the first half, and then because I hate those, I hate those backdoor spreads. Yeah, I could, I would say probably first half line would be good bet, or maybe even a a team total, you know, for Penn State if that offense gets clicking. True. Um, yeah. I think Ball State. I think they gave up somewhere in the neighborhood like 390 passing yards last week. Um, so again, another opportunity where we can let it fly. I just, I just thought I was going to do this right now. That's no, all good. Spur of the moment. <laughs> so found the first half spread. It is Penn State minus 13. And with Brooks Ellis out, that could be a problem, but it's Ball State. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be my pick this week. Penn State um, first half minus 13. And then the uh, odds are minus 115 for that. Okay. I like that. Hop on board the train. You, you can hop board the train if you want. Nah, I might go. I might go somewhere elsewhere. All uh right. -huh. 
train is rolling for both of us, actually, <laughs> in the Big Ten picks. All right, so after much research, I think I found on, on one site, Penn State team total over 39 and a half, which I know after just putting up 16 in Madison, uh, you know, seems like a stretch, but I think I think this could be a good week for them to get going. Um, I think large the, number, large number. Uh, but I think I think the under could be a play as well for a total game uh, under fifty eight. I think I just oh, read okay. Ball State six and zero against the under in their last six games against the Big Ten. So you know, you could see a forty nine zip Lions win. Uh, you know, a forty nine seven. So I think those would be my two plays. But yeah, I'll probably here covering on both sides there. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Um, so let's break down ball state a little bit more just to see where the, who we're going to be looking at next week um dave you want to go over the offense for us yeah give a dive into the ball state cardinals uh probably the most i've ever researched the ball state cardinals <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh drew plitt three-year starter 6'2, 217 uh again was a quarterback of the defending mac champions last year uh, last week against Western Illinois, uh, threw for 188 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, and then the other player to watch is Justin Hall. Um, speeds there on the on the outside, uh, only 5'8", 186. Uh, had, had both of those tutties last week, one for 49, one for 48 yards. Dangerous in space. Um, from, for sure. You know, for sure, yeah, from what we saw last week. Um, so don't look to do much on the ground. From what I gathered, um, it's mainly through the air, uh, which should benefit in our favor, especially with that secondary. Um, but again, it's still only week two. Um, Going to be some more jitters on our side. You know, first time a lot of those guys are playing in front of 103,000. Um, so something to watch for. But um, for sure. But they yeah, also have a guy. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, no, you're good. Another wide receiver, Johans uh, Taylor. Mm-hmm. So Castro Fields and Joey Porter um junior are really going to step up there yeah um yeah they're gonna be up for another big test and ball state also returns all their starting offensive linemen so it's going to be yet another test for that defensive line who showed Mm -hmm. out against wisconsin who i'm confident in now this week yeah, the talent the talent should overmatch, but again, you know, you can't underplay having an, an O line that's all returning. You know, that has that consistency, has that gel. Um, but talent should overpower them here. But you know, we shall we shall see. Yeah. So defensively, they're returning nine starters um, that led up twenty five point eight points per game last year, but had ten interceptions. So they have an all senior secondary, all senior linebacking group. But most importantly, up front, they have a defensive end, number zero, Chris. I'm going to do my – I'm going to butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Ag-yang-meng. Ag-yang-meng. It's the best I can do. Um, so, judging from the pressure last week, we're going to need to, like, stop him from single-handedly creating pressure and just ruining the tempo that the uh, air raid needs. Yeah, for sure. It is week two of the Big Ten betting bonanza. And after week one, I currently have three points after my Maryland uh, money line pick. And Dave is at one point after kind of splitting his games. So we're in week two where anything can happen. Um, I'll give you the gentleman's honor of, uh, 
of going first here. Because I'm losing. Yes. Yes. All it's, right. a, it's a pity. Pity. All right. Well, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> back swinging for the fences this week. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm riding with Michigan again. Michigan. I got Michigan minus six in the big house against the Washington Huskies. Uh, it was supposed to be a big game. Washington went down surprisingly in week one to Montana, the Montana Grizzlies. Mm. Uh, but I, I think the hardball train keeps rolling. Uh, I got I got the Wolverines minus six. All righty. I'm I might continually fade the Wolverines every week. <laughs> I don't know why. I just can't stand fucking hardball. Um. So last week, this is completely contradictory of what I said last week. I said th- I said that Oregon was possibly going to be an upset candidate for Ohio state changing my mind completely after watching the ducks last week, they pulled out a like grind fest against Fresno state mm-hmm. on 31, 24. Um, Ohio state looked like the real deal in the second half. Uh, CJ Stroud kind of hit his stride, looked calm, composed Oregon's flying cross country, which I know is overblown, but they're going to be flying to Ohio and playing in a way game at noon. I think that might have an effect on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got Ohio State minus 14 and a half. Ooh. And mind you, we're recording this on Tuesday. So these are all the lines we're taking on Tuesday. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the opposite take on this. I'm gonna take the plus 14 and a half. All right, opposite sides. I, First I time thought, ever. I thought Ohio State's D was suspect against Minnesota. Uh, you know, I think Fresno State, although the Ducks should have handled them, you know, uh, in a little bit better fashion, I think Fresno State is a formidable opponent. Um, I, I could see a backdoor cover here. I think this will be a high scoring game. Uh, Stroud's gonna let it fly for Ohio State to his two weapons, but I think the Ducks hang in there. I, th- I could see him losing by 10, um, but no more than two scores. I'm, now I'm that going... they sit back for a cover, I'm just like, uh, I'm already shaking in my boots. <laughs> I might have to change that pick before, <laughs> before we end this. We get it out of the way early this weekend, like you said, with that new kickoff. So, uh, oh, ducks. All right. Is it me or you? Uh, you are up. You're pick number three. All right. My pick number three is going to be over 46 in the Iowa Iowa State game. Um, in state rivalry, Brock mm-hmm. Purdy running the uh, Iowa State offense, who threw a it threw up a complete dud in week one. So I think they have to bounce back against this Iowa team. It's going to be a grinded out physical football game. And I think it's going to end up being high scoring, unlike the previous years. Yeah, Iowa looked good in week one, man. Yeah, they, they took care of Indy. I think that'll be that's going to be a really good game in Ames, uh, Ames, Iowa. It's going to be a good game. And I was looking at the under, I'll be honest, because the past two years have gone way under, but you just have to go. You have to go over there. Yeah, I think it's battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. It's always a classic. Oh, pff, count me in. <laughs> Gets me more jacked up. <laughs> All right, uh, pick number three. I'm I'm swinging for the fences here. I am going Buffalo Bulls money line. Thirteen and a half point dogs against Nebraska. Wait, wait, wait. There's a fucking motorcycle. Oh, I'm revving through Philly right here. I was just you shaking your boots. Say it again. <laughs> Buffalo Bulls, 13 and a half point dogs at Nebraska. I'm taking them outright. Oh. I think that's the Scott Frost experiment is going down in flames. 
Wow. Although they got the win this past week, uh, I think the Bulls shock them. That is huge. So for the scoring system, money line picks, you get three points. And if you're going to pick a team that is um, basically a seven and a half, eight point favorite or uh, underdog, excuse me, then you're going to get eight points for that pick if it's correct, minus one if it's not correct. So it's a huge swing for the fence. Big swing. Completely change it up in week two. Um, <laughs> but we won pretty solid. We got two conflicting or one conflicting pick this week. So we'll definitely be watching that game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that'll be it for week two of the Big Ten betting bonanza. Can't wait, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and tuning in to Whiteout Weekly. We will be back every week with more Penn State news and information. And once again, I cannot thank you enough for spending your time with us. Luigi, signing out. See you guys.